Welcome to Quest, where we believe a great faith, great church experience, and great life is grounded in authentic relationship with God and living life with friends. Join us today in changing our world one friendship at a time. If you would like more information about connecting at Quest, stay tuned after the message. We're calling this Celebration Sunday. It's so good to be back after three long months. Uh, be in person and see your smiling faces. If you even through the mask, I can tell you're smiling by your eyes, right? We welcome all of you who are able to be in person here today. And those of you watching from home, we know that church is uh, not a building. It is us as people. And we're so grateful to be able to celebrate in person again and online. Uh, so whether you're at home trying to do this with your family sitting around or whether you're here with your family sitting around, we're going to be que- keeping on tweaking the uh, services a little bit to engage across the age spans. Uh, so we think it's really, uh, honestly, an opportunity for us. I know it, it's probably not what we'd all choose, but it's an opportunity, I think, for us to enjoy uh, what God wants to do in helping us worship together with all the generations together, singing, praying, and learning together. And wow, what a journey it's been for the last three months, hasn't it been? So much has happened in three months since we've been in the auditorium today with all the turmoil and the hard work that we really need to be doing in our world to eliminate racism, to grow in unity as a nation through all the pandemic and all the political divides right now. We thought it would be good today as we got back together to just focus on one really simple core truth that's the basis for everything we are and do and think as followers of Jesus. Let me preface it with a memory from back from the days when Wendy and I used to be ropes course instructors, though. At that time, Wendy was working full-time with adolescents. I was a youth pastor and would often work with ropes courses. Uh, One of the things we consistently saw when we did ropes courses was that people's actions showed what they really believed. So the kids, and we did them with adults as well, would go through the equipment of getting belts and carabiners on before they'd go for the high elements, and they all had to endure the safety speech. And the safety speech basically went like this. This is a carabiner. This is strong enough to hold a small car up. So we let them know you can trust this equipment. We've got you, right? They'd get excited. They just wanted to get up and do the elements. And they'd say, I know, I know, I know. We've heard all this before. And yet we continue to reinforce this carabiner will not break. No one is going to die today because of an equipment failure. So don't worry. Do you believe this? And they would say, yes, we know, we know, right? And yet when it came time to do the really tricky part of the high elements, most of them would freak out. In fact, often the biggest and strongest would freak out the most. Their excitement was turned into fear. I mean, minutes ago, they said they knew the carabiner could support them, but now their actions betrayed what they really believed. The simple truth I want to really talk about today is this. You are loved. Jesus, the most incredible, powerful being in the universe, treasures you and loves you. I guess many of you hearing me say that would say, yeah, Ross, I know that God loves me. And, and you might even go on in your mind and be thinking, Ross, if that's all you've got today, let's move on to the ending music because I've got to mow my lawn, right? But do you really know? Do you know that God loves you? When you face those tricky and hard moments in life, uh, threatening times in life, when your own strength isn't going to be enough to cut it, do you know that God loves you then? See, one of Jesus' closest friends and disciples, John, describes what it's like to know God loves you. In 1 John 4, he says this, verse 15, Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him, and he in God, and so we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. 
So that, that word translated there from the Greek, to know, is, is to know through personal experience, through first-hand understanding and experience. God wants you to know him personally. The text goes on and says, God is love. Whoever abides in, in love abides in God, and God abides in him. By this love perfected, is perfected with us that we may have confidence for the day of judgment, because as he is, so also are we in this world. There is no fear in love. The perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. We love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God must also love his brother. So part of what John is telling us there is God wants us to know and believe he loves us. And our lives show two things when we truly know that God loves us. First, the people who know God loves them, they live a fearless life. It says there's no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. With all the uncertainties in life, that the, all the, the, uh, the anxious stuff going on in life, a person who knows their love is, is not anxious. They live from this place of, of peace. Doesn't that sound nice, to live from that place? During this season, I've been working more personally on dealing and understanding, dealing with my emotions and seeing where God has added them for me. And I, I've never thought of myself as an anxious person. I may feel stress, but I don't label it anxious for me. Anxious people seem consumed with uncertainties in life and worry, but I don't worry. Or do I? Anxiety can look a lot of different ways. Steve Cuss, who's written a book on Leaders dealing with anxiety defines anxiety this way. He says, anxiety is how we show up when we're not getting what we think we need in any given moment. Therefore, anxiety can look a lot of different ways. It can look like worry or it can look like fear, but it also may look like avoidance by, by binging on Netflix or avoiding a difficult conversation. Or it can also look like anger or it can look like interrupting someone when they're talking. It can always be always needing to be right. It can be always having to work to be liked by other people. Or, or it can even be just always demanding and needing to be understood by all other people. Or what I do mainly when I'm anxious is I, I run into problem-solving mode. I feel this pressure internally and externally just to do something. See, I think it's critical how John, the disciple who is so close to Jesus, helps us see that God is love and there is no fear in love. Perfect love casts out fear. See, when I give space to anxiety in my heart and my life, my mind, it takes the space in which God wants to reside. Anxiety blocks so often our awareness of God. It blocks our ability to know how much he loves us. Part of our spiritual warfare, our spiritual discipline in life, is to stay attentive to an awareness of God and, and know that he loves us in whatever we're facing. Anxiety keeps us from growing deeper in knowing who God is because we're not able to be present with him, and it prevents us from being more present with others as well. Anxiousness creates a barrier. It creates distance. It distorts God's love and, and the circumstances so we can't even see things really to fully respond the way God is inviting us to respond. Which leads us to the second way our lives show we know God loves us. People who know and believe they are loved by God have the bandwidth to actually care for other people. 
1 John 4, 7, Beloved, let us love one another, let, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. We are loved, and, and not because we have to earn love, but because God is love. And because He is our resource for love in this world, we do not have to live afraid of today or tomorrow. I don't have to be afraid of what other people think of me. I don't have to be afraid of what the future holds. Will I still have a job or, or what will my health be like? So let's ask the question again. Do you know God loves you? Do your actions show that you know God loves you? So true or false? Is my life characterized by fearlessness and a freedom that loves others even when it's not easy? If the answer is false, and I think all of us need to ask the question, what can we do? And I believe actually all of us are somewhere on a continuum of, of needing to grow in this area at some point in all of our lives. So how do we give more space for God to reside in our hearts and our minds? So let's review a few things of what love really looks like with the goal of letting these truths kind of go deeper in our hearts and our minds and, and that we can believe he loves us. So, but first, a question. How do you know you are loved? Think about that. How, how do you know you're loved by anybody? So I want you to take a minute, uh, and we're going to actually break and do something different. We're going to actually have you talk with the people you're sitting next to or take a moment by, if you're by yourself to think, think about this by yourself. And here's the question. Think about your favorite movie about love. How do the writers show you what love looks like in that movie? Go for it. Just a couple more seconds. So you guys have all gotten to talk, and you're going to, to react with me a little bit. Those of you who are online at home, go, feel free if you're watching us on Facebook Live to throw some of your comments in the, in the comments feed there as to what you think about your favorite movie and what it demonstrates about love. So just a question. Anybody, uh, uh, Princess Bride, one of your favorites? Yeah? All right. That's a favorite in our home, and it actually shows us the first aspect of what love looks like. Love moves toward the person they love Love takes action. I mean, think about it. What does Princess Buttercup say? She says, I know my Wesley will always come for me. Why does she know that? Because that's what love does, right? It doesn't sit still. Love takes action. Can anybody else say Titanic for a movie? Or is this way too sad, right? So as, as the Titanic is sinking, Jack... Uh, gives up his life to hold the door on the freezing cold ocean so that Rose can live, right? And every guy watching that thinks there's got to be room on that door for both of them, right? In fact, how many of you remember Mythbusters did an episode on proving, actually, that Jack and Rose could have both survived had they just put their life preservers under the door and given a little more buoyancy? So they actually proved it. But they talked to the writer of the movie, and the writer says, well, that's stupid, because Jack had to die. Why? Because the second point about love is that love, love sacrifices. Did anyone mention Frozen? 
Why would Anna sacrifice herself for Elsa? Because true love sacrifices. Okay, who of you said The Notebook was on that list for you of a favorite movie? I have to admit I've never watched it, and I don't think I ever am going to watch it. I've heard that the story is about a husband who stays and reads the notebook to his wife even as she progresses and forgets who he is. And in this, the husband shows us the third point of what love really is. Love stays. Yesterday, I got to officiate a wedding. I love doing weddings. And in a couple of weeks, when my oldest son marries an amazing young woman, I get to do the favorite wedding of my entire lifetime so far. I'm sorry for all the rest of you I've married, but this, 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 is not gonna, this is not gonna compare to me being in your weddings. This is just, weddings are packed with such holy moments of standing before God and family and friends and declaring you will love somebody in good times and in difficult times. We do that because we believe that love stays in spite of the difficulties. So here's the question. If Hollywood gets that these points show what love looks like, do we believe and do we know that God, the one who created love, the one who is the definition of love, do we know that that God continues to personally pursue each and every one of us with love? 1 John 4.9 says that in this love, the love of God is made manifest among us, that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. That's saying love moved, moves towards the one they love and takes action. And God sent his only son, Jesus, into the world. God took action. He continues to take action, moving towards you. His Holy Spirit is pursuing you, even now, always, to show you how much he loves you and how much good he has for you. See, Christianity is not a religion based upon needing to earn a relationship with God. God loves us first and moves toward us first. And we receive his love based on anything, not based on anything we've ever done. It's just that we get to receive him because he loves us. Because love pursues us and moves towards us. And love sacrifices. Jesus sacrificed his whole life in the ultimate one giving his life on the cross. This kind of love actually reminds me of one of my favorite love stories. It was a movie about a man who had a particular set of skills. His daughter was kidnapped and his dad goes after his daughter doing everything he can to get his daughter back and he succeeds. Can you imagine as years went by if that daughter ever doubted that her father loved her? All she had to do was remember the dangerous, crazy things he did for her in a relentless pursuit to secure her safety and her freedom. See, you know God is ruthlessly, relentlessly crazy in love with you. He's the same way. One reason John says we get tripped up in believing that God loves us that much is because we believe that we have to pay for our sins. 1 John 4 says, For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. But John shows us in a verse just above that, he says, In this, in this, love, in this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be, a big word, propitiation for our sins. Now, that's a really big word, but it just simply means this. It means satisfaction. There must be a satisfactory payment for our sins. 
Justice means that sin has to be accounted for. It has to be paid for. God can't be unjust and be loving at the same time. So imagine this is kind of the conversation God probably has in his own head saying, if I punish man for his sin, man will die and go to hell. On the other hand, if I don't punish man for his sin, justice will never be satisfied. And if justice is never satisfied, then I'm not really loving. And he is loving. So the solution is God said that he would become our substitute. He would take the sin of mankind upon himself, satisfying, loving justice, and freeing us from sin. That is love. So what God keeps saying to you and me all throughout the day, all throughout our lives, is I love you, and I've loved you before you ever even loved me. I love you when you blow me off. I love you even when you're making that bad choice last night or this last week. I have never stopped loving you, and I never will. My love doesn't want you to stay where you're at, but I will never stop relentlessly pursuing you. It reminds me of one wedding in my, in my past that stood out to me over the years. The, the groom was an accountant, and he was kind of the miserly accountant. He loved saving money. He never, ever wanted any debt anywhere in his life. Yet he fell in love with someone who had made a lot of unwise choices and had a huge amount of debt. He realized that if he married her, he would have to take all of her, including her debt. And he processed through what that was going to cost him, thinking, you know, it's going to destroy my credit score, and it's going to put us under tremendous financial strain. And, and for anyone, but especially for him, the way he was wired, that was a big thing to ask. But love costs someone something. And I got to see him fall more in love with this this woman all the time and growing an understanding of what love really, really looks like. And for him to love her, her debt was part of the package. And he couldn't shame her to rescue her from her debt. It was just something that was part of their story. And he chose to join her in paying that debt off because he loved her. And it took, it took years. See, Jesus doesn't shame us He doesn't hold it over our head for all the things we've done, all the mistakes, all of our sins. He's paid our debt with joy because of the opportunity to have a relationship with us again. As much as I love weddings, one of the things I love more is is seeing people who have been married for so many years. We have a number of people at Quest who have been married 60 plus years. Isn't that awesome? Yeah. I mean... That kind of love has a depth to it. It's gone through many seasons of sacrificing and moving toward one another. And did I say sacrificing? And staying with it for the long haul? And oh, the beauty that that can bring. God's love is even better when we could, than we could ever receive from a person. See, God, the definition of love, moves towards us. God, the definition of love, he stays with us. God, the one who defines love, sacrificed for us. It means God's love doesn't hold things over you. He knows what you've done. He knows he has loved you enough to pay for everything. God is stronger than your sin. So today, to conclude the message, we're going to pause and, and let this truth soak in a little bit more to fully know and believe God's love by watching a short skit that illustrates some of Paul's thoughts 
on love. Now, for those of you who are joining us online after the skit, I want to encourage you to go to YouTube video or, or, or on the questvineyard.org slash live page, or it's also on Facebook. And there you can actually, once we're done concluding the live stream, you can enjoy the worship song that was pre-recorded that we're going to be enjoying in a moment and worship with us. God bless. Oh, hey, Ed. Oh, hey, Tommy. You, uh, you ready for the Bible study? Yeah. You did the homework for the Bible study, Tommy? Yes. Did you answer all the questions for Romans 8, 38, and 39? Yes, mostly. Mostly? Well, the answer to the last question, it's not actually in the Bible. The answer to the last question, what can separate us from the love of God? It's in there. No, it's not. It's, it's in there. It's not in here. I wouldn't put it in no. there. Listen, no. Listen, I wouldn't give you questions I, 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 if whatever. the answers were It's in not there. in here. It's in fine, there. show me, Bible boy. All right. All right. Fine, fine. Okay. Hold on. Let me look it up here. Are you ready? Are you listening? Yeah, Are prove it. open? I think I deserve this. I don't think you can handle this. All right. All right. Here we go. <clears throat> no, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Get ready. Here it is. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God as is in Christ Jesus our Lord. See, it's not in there. It is in there. It's no, right it's there. not. It says nothing. Exactly. Yeah, you just proved me right. No, you proved me right. Wait, what? Something is nothing. Uh uh-uh, uh, something is something. Something is nothing. No, nothing is nothing. Nothing. No, something is something and nothing is nothing, but nothing can't be something and something can't be nothing. But in here it is and it can. (sighs) So you just want me to go into this Bible study and say nothing. Yes. Just be like, nothing. Exactly. (sighs) And the specific nothing is neither and nor. (laughs) Fantastic. So nothing, neither, nor, neither, nor, nothing, nothing, neither, nor. I'm just going to go in there and I'm not going to say anything. I want you to say something. Then what is that something? Nothing. Oh, I could hit you. What? Oh, nothing. Yes. <laughs> nothing. Yes. Nothing. Yes. Nothing. Nothing, 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 nothing. Nothing? Yeah, but you don't know what my nothing is. It doesn't matter what your nothing is. Yeah, but see, look, your nothing is really nothing, but my nothing is something. I I have a past. In fact, just just last night. It doesn't matter what you did last night. It doesn't matter what you did five years ago. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. Nothing. We hope you encountered the love of Jesus in this message. If you'd like to be a part of the ministry God is doing through Quest, whether in person or online, go to questvineyard.org for more information. If you want to worship God by supporting Quest financially, go to questvineyard.org give. May God bless you this week as you partner with God to change the world one friendship at a time.